Hello, hello, good morning. Welcome back to the One Day at a Time podcast. Today I'm going to cover a few studies actually. Uh, they're very interesting ones. So the first one is, does it matter what we think about weight? Okay, because a lot of people think it's bad to be overweight. Uh, one study looked at it and saw, saw that 61% of adults who had been in a weight loss program said they'd been discriminated against because of their body size. Nasty comments, stuff like that. A lot of people think being overweight is just bad in general. Um, comes from the media. Obviously, there is being overweight and obese has health risks. And then what people have done, well, that's bad. There's this health risks. So then that means being overweight, you're a bad person. And it's like that's that's where it goes too far, right? So you've got the external one. But this study looked at weight bias from the inside. And this is what they call weight bias internalization. And a new Canadian study published in the BMC Public Health showed that it's actually very common that there's more weight bias from internalization than, you know, saying someone else's weight's bad weight. It's always about us. We're bad weight right now, you know. So people with higher BMI showed a higher degree of weight bias internalization against themselves and then others as well. So you kind of, it's kind of that thing where because it's such a big thing in your life that you want to lose this weight. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress. And a lot of pressure is self-imposed. You know, you're putting this pressure on you to lose this weight quick. And because it needs to go quick and it's impacting your life and stuff, which is understandable, it becomes this big thing. And because it's a big thing to you, it is a big thing for everyone. But there's a lot of people walking around in the same size or slightly bigger, slightly less, that are really taking in their stride, going, yeah, I've got weight to lose over time and I'm going to improve my habits. I'm going to take it one day at a time and it's going to come off, but I'm going to still enjoy my life. I'm not going to say that I'm a bad person or look at weight as this all or nothing thing that's going to fix my life. And there's also, you could say, the argument that a lot of rich people have this kind of thing where they're like, money isn't everything, bro, I swear down. And, you know, what that really means to me is when I see it is that whilst they've got all the money in the world, they've maybe neglected their friendships, their relationships, their lifestyle, like, you know, the things that matter, and they think money's everything. And I think a lot of people think money is everything, but money's definitely important for security. Let's not be fools about that and be like, money's not everything, blah, blah, blah. Look, look, in this world with the rising costs, you know, financial problems, financial stress, having money, having more money can definitely help. I'm talking about like the the, the rich, rich, where they're talking about cars and watches and all that. They've neglected the things that matter when they get it. Same with your weight loss journey. If you neglect the things that make your life great on your path of weight loss, once you get weight loss, you will fail in your happiness. You will feel like you failed. I'm, I've lost my weight now. Now what? Things should have changed. Things should have changed in my life. Everything should have changed. I've now... Okay. No one cares as much as you about your weight. That's the thing. That's the thing about it. No one cares as much as as much as you. Which is obviously, if you think about it, makes complete sense. But at the same time, it's like, as we're losing weight, when we think of our happy days, when we think of the days we enjoy, they're not really the the peak days. They're not our most athletic days of our life. It's like when we're feeling we're making some progress. When the sun is shining, you might be 40 pounds away from your goal, you might be 20 pounds, you might be 90 pounds, but you're a few pounds in or you're a few weeks in, maybe you're a few months in. You've got this new routine going. You've met a few new friends online or in the, in the class. You're feeling a bit stronger. Your work is going better. Or you're looking, okay, I can, I can actually do this. I'm taking it one day at a time. How's about I look at my other 
things in my life, like my work life, and my family life. And you start thinking, you're very optimistic. You've got this newfound energy that was always there. It was just blocked, right? And you're like, I'm not even at where I want to be yet, but I'm, I'm happy, I'm content. This is very, very common. A lot of people say when they reach the pinnacle of what they're trying to reach, they get really sad. You know, world champions say it all the time. They reach, they win, and then they get really depressed. Sad, doesn't it, no? And I think the, the good thing about us on this journey is that there is no end to this journey we're on. So as long as we can enjoy it, the process, we look at this thing as a slow and steady, a whole wellness type of thing. It's not just that we're going to lose weight and things are going to work for us. We have to think of mindset. We have to look into stuff like stoicism and philosophy. We've got to be interested in these things. You know, these big questions about life. Otherwise, you're just going down one path and it's going to end to ruin, really, because you're going to go, oh, okay, well, that's great. Okay, so the study, basically, to finish off about the study, females are more likely to show this than men, obviously. Um, and what people, and it says, and what did people think was the cause of being overweight? The top answers are overeating, 71%, not exercising enough, 67%, high-fat diets, 59%, right? So they think it's behavioral factors, you know? And when you realize that, you know, we know it's energy in versus energy out for weight loss, or fat loss more specifically. It is energy, it's an energy problem, okay? The energy in via food and energy out via, you know, what, what the process of our body goes through to survive. There's your, your metabolic rate or metabolism is broken down into four things. Your base metabolic rate, you know, that's the biggest part. It's typically 50 to 60% of the calories you burn. That's like your organs, your everything that's working in the body. Right, then you've got the thermic effect of food. And all that is is the energy it takes to digest food. You know, that plays a, a role, 10% maybe. Then you've got your exercise activity. Anything you've done through exercise, 5% maybe, maybe less. And then you've got non-exercise activity. You know, this is anything that's not exercise. And this is like a 20, this could range from 15% to 25 to 30%. It's the biggest part of your metabolic rate you can change with your behavior. So you can move more. And it's not about always walking. It's about... Am I standing up more? Am I, am I taking the long way around? Am I parking my car further away? Like little things add up throughout the day and that's a big part, right? It's a big part of it. Um, but it's important also that, you know, look at why, what's happening with energy in, you know, what's going on with energy in. Because a lot of weight bias internalization in other studies is shown to be associated with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, mental health challenges. So if you're overweight and you're feeling bad about it and you think it's your fault and you think it's a behavior thing and you think you should be able to change it right now, you're going to get anxious and depressed, right? And that makes everything harder. And we know when we're depressed or anxious or emotional that we have emotional eating and stuff like that. But what you need to see is how does emotional eating link to overeating? You know, what, what, you know once you see these patterns, that's the important part. Like why... Am I turning to food every time I'm bored? Why am I turning to food every time I get bad news? Why am I turning to food every time I feel stressed? Or why am I turning to food every time I feel like procrastinating? You know, it's really we're just escaping to a pleasurable feeling. And we know 
happiness and pleasure are not the same thing. People mistake them to be the same thing, but they're not. Happiness and pleasure are different things. You don't necessarily, you're not necessarily happy living a life full of pleasure, you know? That's actually probably gonna hinder your happiness, if anything, because if you're only chasing pleasure, 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 your life becomes very, vo like, it's a, it's a very vacant life, because these pleasures are empty, you know? And this is, this is this classic philosophy, you know, like the choice of Hercules was one of those stories that led the ancients for hundreds of years, you know, decide if you want to be Hercules, the Hercules had a choice of going down the easy path with all luxury, all girls, easy, all down the 12 labours and fight and, you know, overcome 12 massive challenges and it's not going to be enjoyable all the time, it's not going to be happy times all the time, you're going to want to quit, but you will become the person you're meant to be after those. And there's a really good quote by Epictetus, a famous philosopher who says, who would Hercules be if he didn't go through the 12 labours, well, he wouldn't be Hercules at all, and we wouldn't know about him today. Okay, so these challenges, these things you overcome, make you who you are, and you wouldn't be anyone without your challenges. You'd just be withering away in the wind. So when we look at this full health picture, we need to understand what's happening with our eating behaviours based on our emotions. We have to know why we're doing it. Like when I'm bored, I'll, t I'll be like, oh, it'd be nice to have a five, guys. Or it'd be nice to have a takeaway tonight. Or maybe something to look forward to, not doing anything. So I get that takeaway and the anticipation of it is even more rewarding than when it arrives. You know, when you're opening that bag up, you've got peak dopamine. And this is shown in, you know, James Clear shows this in Atomic Habits very well. That it's just before, you know, the coffee or the caffeine thing, you get this dopamine hit. It's not during it. Um, and it's the same with the takeaway thing. So you think, oh, that's going to be amazing. And it comes, you're like, oh, yeah. And then you eat it very fast and it's over in two minutes. And then you go, ah, why did I do that again? Why did I spend money? I had food in the fridge. I've just consumed 2,000 calories. It's not, it's, I don't feel great about it. Why did I get tricked about it all the time? This is because we think that that dopamine hit is going to solve things for us, but it doesn't. Once you see that, it has less power over you, Right? We know that. So you need to start seeing these realizations. So you need to start writing down a journal, and this is your task for today. Anytime you feel an urge to eat, write down what was the thing that caused that urge. Because there's a difference between hunger and craving. And to remind you, hunger is a deep bodily sensation. You know, you are grumbling. It's a, it is your body needs energy. Craving can ha happen just after a full meal, just before, it can happen any time. But craving is just desire. Because it's another word for desire. You are just desiring a pleasurable thing through food. Right? So you're not, you're craving eating a chocolate bar, for example. Not necessarily because you care if it's chocolate or whatever. It's just like, because it could be a pastry for me, chocolate bar for you. It's a different food for certain people. It's the pleasure we get from eating. And that's the craving. And it's just a thought process. A craving is a thought process. Once you disrupt that thought, the craving can die. But the craving will always live if you fight the craving. If you're always fighting the craving, saying, oh my God, I want that cookie. Oh my God, why do I want that cookie? I've just had food. Why am I like this for? Why? Why do I keep doing this? I, I want it. Oh my God, smells amazing. Oh my God. Mm. 
Oh, should I have it? You picture yourself. You create a picture in your mind of you eating this blinking cookie in front of you. How amazing it's going to taste with this Nutella center. Right? It's just thoughts, creating images about you having this thing, giving you pleasure. That's it. So you disrupt it. You go for a walk. You phone someone. You drink water. You drink Pepsi Max. Or like you go and do something. You go. You move away from the situation. The more you think and fight, the bigger that craving's going to get because it's just more thoughts going into it. You know, these little things that you start realising over your journey, but you have to, you know, it takes time. Sometimes it'll take someone a few weeks to have some aha moments. Like, bam, wow, okay. I get it now. Some people, it take months. You know, diet culture and all this stuff has been, you know, ingrained massively. Some people say, well, aren't you in diet culture, you know, trying to help people lose weight? I say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not telling anyone what to eat. I'm not telling anyone strict meal plans. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's like complete freedom in the food choices you have, whether you want to go higher carb, lower carb, whatever. But we have to understand that there, are, there is the law of energy that we have to abide if we want weight loss. And it's got to be slow and steady, you know. It's not like you go on the app and it says how much weight you want to lose and you go, I want to lose 40 pounds by when? Mm, end of Feb. And it goes, okay, your deficit's now 2,000 calories a day. And I mean, that'll give you like 900 calories a day. No way. We say, that's not how we're going to do. If you want to try and go down that route, you know, be my guest. But if you want what truly works, what we've seen worked over the years, the researcher behind it, the slow and steady method, the philosophical method, the way of thinking about your life, every, how it all ingrains, that's this method. And we do take it one day at a time, you know. That's the only way we can do this. So that's a bit of uh, information on that study. There was another study as well I looked at, you know, like kids up from age of 11 till 24 and like what's happened over the years and basically their um light activity's gone down and what i mean by light activity is like just standing up moving about like the neat right non-exercise activity that part of your me metabolic rate they saw that it declined by 3.5 hours a day right um but each minute of light activity was linked to 3.6 gram decrease in fat, <laughs> right? So, you know, not a massive amount, but when you add it up, it's quite a lot. So, again, this study just reinforces, it's not really about the workouts that the kids are doing less of. It's like they're actually just moving less. They're just standing up less. They're, like, being just less active in general. So when it comes to what you think you've got to do, something is better than nothing. You know, standing up is better than sitting down. Sitting up is better than laying on your back. These little things. You know, when you're sitting on the couch, are you laying down? Okay, sit up. Okay, can you stand up for five minutes of it? Say, you know, you're watching a TV show. Can you just stand up for five minutes of every half an hour? Or for every hour you're watching someone, you stand up for 15 minutes, walk about, and you can watch something then. You know, like, you think, oh, how is that going to make a difference? Of course it makes a difference. All these little things are the big things. And you have control over that. So it's very easy to do. Say, so, well, you're going to do a 60-minute workout at 7 p.m. No. Okay, well, at 7 p.m., can you stand up and just be on your feet for 20 minutes? And do whatever you want, you know? Tidy up, watch TV, phone someone, do a work task, whatever is law. All of this works. That's the main thing about this. So you've got your calorie, energy intake. You've got, you want to make sure you're decent, decent amount of protein. And you've got your step target, which is important because we know if you hit your step target, you're moving a certain amount a day, right? So you're moving a certain amount a day. Steps are great. But on top of steps, you just want to generally be active, right? 
It's important. So we need to look at it. I don't want you to look at this and go, oh, Scott, like, give me a five, five, six workouts a week. That's, that's what I'm missing. You're probably not missing that for weight loss. You're just missing being generally more active. And the last study I want to cover is diet drinks versus water for weight control. So back in the 60s, diet drinks came out, had um, some form of sweetener in, a connection with bladder cancer, and ever since then it's been, hey, it causes cancer, right? There's plenty of studies that are the safety of modern sweeteners um, in humans. You know, obviously in rats it shows different things, but they just wanted to see about weight management. So I'm not going to go into the cancer stuff because... In moderation, diet drinks today are safe, okay? There's, people say about ingredients, you know, don't eat these chemicals and all that, scaremongering, like, these people are, you know, drinking alcohol, going out, party, you know, we're doing things all the time that's not best for our health, so we don't need to be one of those people It's like, well, you can't drink diet coke, but then they're the type of people then that will just overeat on their calories every day, putting stress on the body that way. So, you know, there's different... I don't know, there's a guy on TikTok called like Eddie something. He's like a dead against like whey protein. He's like a former pro bodybuilder, by the way. So he's proper like injecting steroids for like 25 years. And um, he's saying about whey protein is really dangerous and stuff. Someone went to his gym, he's selling it. <laughs> you know, this is what I mean. Like just, oh, these people. Anyway, sweetness, group one. Group one basically just had water. Group two had um, sweetener drink. What they found was after two years, actually, of this long study, that the sweet, uh, the diet soda group, so the Pepsi Max or whatever, lost slightly more weight than the water group, 16.5 pounds versus 13 pounds. Um, no difference in hunger. So what this means is, like, drinking water before your meals, after meals is very effective. And, you know, Pepsi Max and stuff is, is effective as well. By the way, it's not sponsored by Pepsi Max. Um... So if you like having a can or two a day, I had a tactical can yesterday. It was going into the evening. I was like, oh, I've just had my meal. Do I do have a sweet tooth right now? I was like, I'll just have a Pepsi Max. Sorted me right out. I don't know why I needed that sweet tooth. Like, I'm trying to work out what, what, what happens. But I think it's just that, you know, you've had your meal. And maybe some meals hit spot and some don't. And, you know, you get some people, if you eat and get dessert, whatever. But Pepsi Max just sorted it out. So have it, if you like diet sodas and stuff, moderately drink them. I'm not saying have 10 cans a day, but have one or two tactically through the day. If you know you get like some form of craving um, at like 2 p.m., have a, have, a diet, have a diet Coke or something, 2 p.m. Have a water, go for a walk. And then before you know it's 3 p.m. and you're not hungry. Then you're like, oh, it's nearly 5 when I'm meant to have my meal. Little things like this. So yeah, don't, uh, just don't go and guzzle it down right now. So that's kind of over three studies I found that are quite interesting. Um, you are the scientist of your own life. Remember that. And every day, every day you take things one day at a time, you get to have an insight about yourself. So you get an insight into your behavior, into your food intake, into how you feel, into that internal monologue you're listening to that could potentially be harmful. How do you think about your weight? How do you think about yourself? All of these things need to be addressed, but we address them slowly. But... So want your task today to be like when you do feel an urge to eat or you want to turn to food, journal it down. Why? What will the food solve? And after that, do you think food is the solution to your current problem? And let me know if you find anything that's 
you know, could change everything for me. But other than that, guys, have a good day. And I will speak to you all tomorrow.